Hi guys, welcome to Horsepower Heritage. I'm Maurice Merrick. Thanks for being here, and if you're new to the show, I'll just say this is not your typical automotive podcast. For example, you're going to hear storytelling episodes that cover the history of automotive design and technology and motorsport and car culture. And of course, I do interviews with all sorts of people from the world of cars and motorcycles, but it's always about the people and the stories behind the machines. So check out the back catalog because there's hours and hours of good stuff for you there. And I think this is going to be your new favorite podcast. And by the way, I really like doing in-person interviews whenever I get the chance, so we shoot full video versions of those episodes, which you can find on YouTube. And there are also a few ways for you to support the show. Now, maybe you've heard the term value for value, and all that means is that if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support it monetarily, you can do that. Whether it's $2 or $20, you can give one time or you can give once a month if you like. And to do that, you just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash HP heritage and throw a few bucks in the gas tank and buymeacoffee.com is basically a crowdfunding platform for independent creators and it's totally secure and it's an easy way to show your support. Now, another thing you can do if you're listening on Apple podcasts is to leave a five-star rating and write a short review. Tell others what you like about the podcast. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating there too. They just recently added that feature. And every rating and review helps new listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that yet, it only takes a minute, but it really does make a difference. And finally, you can follow the Instagram page at Horsepower Heritage and read articles and watch videos at HorsepowerHeritage.com. All right, well, today on the show, we're going to be talking about some really lovely cars from a company called David Brown Automotive, which is a small but very enthusiast-driven manufacturer in England that's blending classic motoring style with modern comfort and reliability. They've got a super cool car called the Speedback GT, as well as what they call their remastered line of classic minis. Anyway, everything they build is tailor-made for each individual customer. So if you've ever dreamed about ordering a really special car that's not mass-produced, and instead it has every detail planned out just for you, you're going to enjoy this one. My guests are Michelle Gay of David Brown Automotive and Ryan Watson of Bespoke Imports. And that's coming up right after this. Hey everybody, Maurice Merrick here, and I want to tell you what's new at Model Citizen Diecast. First, there's the Porsche 718 Boxster and Cayman in 143rd scale, perfect size for your desktop or your bookshelf, or how about a Shelby GT350R prototype or a Volvo 850 Turbo Wagon, both in big 118th scale. And my listeners get 10% off when you use the code HERITAGE at checkout. Limitations apply. Just go to ModelCitizenDieCast.com and see what's new. From race cars to street cars and everything in between, it's Model Citizen Diecast. Because your inner child still wants to play with cars. Michelle Gay from David Brown Automotive. Thanks for being on the show. Great to have you. Hi, Morris. Very nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And Ryan Watson from Bespoke Imports. Now, you're down in South Florida, right, Ryan? And you're kind of David Brown's man in North America. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. I'm down in uh, Naples, Florida, the Sunshine State. And uh, we do, we represent uh, David Brown for North America. So I want to get one thing out of the way right from the start, which is that David Brown's cars are not inexpensive, okay? But the price really isn't the point. 
because I think it's great to see small manufacturers who are committed to classic looks and driving enjoyment and, you know, all the tech in our cars now, all the sameness is a bit numbing to me. And I know that my listeners feel that way too. You know, I've, I've got really loyal listeners who are all about classic driving experiences. And I, that's why I was so interested in the David Brown products, because you've got the amazing Speedback, which we're going to be talking about. That's really exciting. And, and also a wonderful line of reimagined minis, or as you say, remastered minis. And so we're going to get into all of it. But Michelle, why don't you give us a little bit of background on David Brown Automotive? Uh, it's an interesting company with uh, the man behind the company is really fascinating to me. Yes, he is pretty fascinating to everyone, I think. <laughs> so he's a, a British uh, serial entrepreneur, businessman, um, born in 1955, named after his father, who was David Brown. Nothing to do with the David Brown who gave his name to some Aston Martin models back in the day. However, it's a small world. It's a popular name. Um, the two David Browns, so David Brown Sr. and David Brown, from formerly of Aston Martin, did actually know each other as they were both operating in the same realm of um, tractors and off-highway articulated dumper trucks and glamorous things like that. Yeah, I thought that was a funny parallel too because it is a bit confusing. Uh, everyone knows David Brown as the guy behind Aston Martin in, in, from the 50s to the early 70s, I think. But uh, So the parallel here is that there was another David Brown and they were both in the tractor business and then uh, the David Brown of our interest was also in the timber industry and got into a line of heavy equipment and was very successful. It became a global company, as a matter of fact. That's right. Yes. His, so, um, our David Brown, his father was a timber feller. The family spent time in Africa and all, all over the world felling trees. David Brown Sr. Um, had a, a terrible accident and ended up um, breaking his back on one of these uh, machines that he used to fell the trees. And whilst in hospital thought, I mean, he was an engineer anyway, but thought, hmm, that shouldn't have happened. I could design something that would stop this ever happening in the future. So that's what he did during his long recovery. And then he uh, built a prototype and sort of grew the company from there. David, Our oh, David Brown was his first employee because uh, David said he's cheap. <laughs> um, and the two of them built a huge concern together. They acquired companies such as Bedford Trucks from General Motors. Um, and I think the company had around 3,000 employees um, when in the 90s they then finally sold the company to their biggest customer at the time, who was Caterpillar. So um, a really different sort of background to luxury cars. However, there's a huge amount of transferable skills. It's that precision engineering, very bespoke, solving a, a problem um, that's very specific um, and different manufacturing techniques, albeit, as I say, not quite as glamorous. Right. <laughs> and of course, all of this stuff long predates the cars that we're going to talk about today. But but just the background is that they were experienced industrialists and manufacturers and innovators. And so David Brown Jr., he was a rally driver and has always been a classic car enthusiast. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. So he was a Mintex Group N champion at one point. Uh, he had a, a Ford Escort amongst other cars. And uh, yeah, so he was a, a rally driver um, and also yeah, huge car enthusiast, 
modern cars, but also classic cars. He's restored cars himself. And in more recent times, he's done um, endurance rallies. So he did uh, the Peking to Paris rally um, in a 1928, I believe, Rolls-Royce Phantom II. Um, he did a- another rally from uh, called the, the Road to Mandalay. So it was from, I think, Singapore to um, to Burma. Time um, and then did one in uh, South America as well. He's a big into cars in lots of different ways. Okay, so he's rallying. He's into classic cars, but a kind of a light bulb goes off for him with regard to classic cars, right? Like the the great thing about classic cars is they're wonderful looking. You can appreciate the engineering of the time, but they're not always the most comfortable or or reliable. In fact. So yeah, the uh, the light bulb moment, I believe, he was on a, a rally in the south of France. He'd borrowed a friend's Ferrari Daytona, and he was super excited to be driving it. He said it was the car of his teenage dreams. It was the car he had posters of on his bedroom wall. So he was really, really excited, and said he got in, and he was instantly disappointed. It was um, it had heavy steering. It was underpowered. It was really hot in the south of France. It had no air conditioning. The radio didn't work. He said it was thoroughly uncomfortable. Um, and then eventually it, it broke down. I think it got stuck in first gear or something like that. Um, so he ended up having to just go to the nearest sort of car rental place and rented the cheapest car he could get just so he could finish the rally with everyone else. And it was a tiny little... Um, mass-produced car and uh he found that everyone else on the rally that had the classic cars was saying oh david what a shame you know let let us drive drive the, the small <laughs> modern car for a, a few hours and you can drive ours because they wanted the air conditioning <laughs> the power steering the radio and, and all the mod cons that come with a, a very cheap run-of-the-mill car nowadays and he thought hang on why is there not a car out there that combines those two worlds you know the beautiful classic timeless looks and that evocative um motion driven sort of passion that you have for classic cars with modern technology engineering reliability and all of the modern conveniences that we're so used to so um yeah he uh, went back to england shortly after uh, returned home and set about thinking right i'm just going to design a a one-off car for myself that does combine those two worlds um, and then quite quickly was showing sort of some of the renders some of the the drawings to friends and they all said well it, it's absolutely beautiful and what a brilliant idea i would buy one so um he thought right i'll do a um a small limited run of this car and you know make a business and see if anyone buys them and sort of the rest is history and here we are uh, nine and a bit years later with <laughs> a few models in the bag and customers all over the world. That's fantastic. And so that that was the seed of the Speedback GT, right? Correct. Yes. Sorry. So that was uh, Speedback GT was our very first model. Let's give listeners an idea. I mean, Google Speedback GT, you'll see the, the car. It's fantastic. It's got classic looks, we'll say not unlike a certain international super spies uh transportation of choice yeah i I I think it depends on your point of reference (laughs) so the car is very reminiscent of the aston martin db5 but it definitely has its own character through and through and it combines that classic styling with you know a modern driving experience it's a true grand touring car 
Absolutely. It, it literally has the best of both worlds. And I should mention also, um, David really wanted to use the great uh, British heritage that we have in the, in the UK for automotive production. So there are lots of, they, they're not as big as they were in Britain's automotive heyday, but there are lots of amazing companies that have really skilled labour and work with beautiful materials to create some absolutely wonderful parts. So um, it's pretty much all built in the UK. Um, the body panels are built in the traditional way, so they're all hand-rolled aluminium done on an English wheel over 3,000 hours just for one car. Um, but then combined with that modern engineering, so they're so precisely made, the shirt lines are perfect. They're on a par with a mass-produced car that's stamped out panels from machinery. Um, and then hand-painted um solid aluminium brightware that's yeah, milled out of solid billets of aluminium and chrome and nickel plated and polished beautiful wood veneers um albeit they're mounted to um 3d printed substrate so you get um complex curves which you wouldn't have been able to achieve back in the 60s it's really everything we do that underneath the surface is modern engineering and everything you touch and see on the surface is traditional hand craftsmanship made with beautiful materials yeah, there aren't too many manufacturers out there who are really following those old traditional coach building techniques. So I really like that about the car. And the Speedback has a couple of additions, right? There's the initial Speedback, and then you guys moved into a really nice new manufacturing facility on the Silverstone campus, right? Which Correct, yeah. It's Silverstone's now the home of uh, the Formula One in the UK, so uh, it's got a very famous racing circuit. And so in recognition of that move to that new facility, you released the Silverstone edition Speedback. And that's like the top of the line Speedback, as if the normal one weren't enough, right? Yeah, it's um, so it's, as, as I say, sort of inspired by um, the aeronautical heritage of uh, Silverstone. So um, the wheel designs are designed to look like the air intakes from a fighter jet. It's got brogued and fluted leather um, in what we call the cockpit, the interior. And it's got a real aeronautical feel. There's um, an open pore scorched finish to the veneers, which um, sort of fade out from front to rear, um, which gives sort of a a feeling of motion in the car. It's got a hand-applied central racing stripe that fades out towards the front. Um, And it's just a lot lot more sort of sportier performance, I would say, and very muted as well. So the entire exterior of the car is completely monochrome. In terms of sort of performance, it's got 601 horsepower, 766 newton meters of torque. So on a par with a a Lamborghini Aventador. (laughs) even more so actually yeah and it's it's what a uh, supercharged v8 and, and that's sourced from jaguar right yeah so it's their five liter v8 supercharged it's the and um, the drivetrain you'd find in a, a range rover svr for example excellent which you know I, i've driven cars with that drivetrain and it's a lot of fun and as you say the speed bag has kind of a monochrome exterior which looks very sinister it's it's definitely one of those cars where you're going to do a double take when you see one on the street Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it draws so much attention and and really nice attention as well. Those that are real car enthusiasts are familiar with it and are absolutely delighted that they've had the opportunity to see one in real life. And other people are like, is it a modern car? Is it the classic car? Well, the the details, I can't start looking at it. It's, um, yeah, really lovely experience to to drive. Yeah, really the best of both worlds. And how many speedbacks have been built, Michelle, to date? 
So uh, we have a factory full of uh, speedbacks at the moment at various um, stages. We had a bit of a, a rush on them after the pandemic. <laughs> so we are in the, the mid-20s at the moment. And it's limited to 100 units total? That's correct, yeah. And each car takes, uh, it's around 8,000 man-hours to build, so which equates to around 13 months. Uh, how big is your team, by the way, your production team? Um, we're pretty lean. Uh, our entire sort of team based from Silverstone are around 30 people and probably just over 20 of those people are on the, the sort of build team. It's a lot of work for a, a small team, but you're, you're lean and mean. Correct. Yes, we've got very talented technicians. So a lot of them have a race background, so they're, they're multi-skilled. They understand whatever they're doing, how it fits into the bigger picture in the car. Um, and that's really important. I think um, in some bigger companies, there's, there's very sort of specific skill sets, whereas a lot of our guys, they're, they're not just fitting door cars, they're fitting other other things as well, for example. They're not specifically dedicated to one task. That is to say, they're, they're multi-talented guys who are working on all aspects of the car. Exactly. Yeah. So we, of course, have um, a, a trim team and an electrics team, um, mechanicals, but uh, yeah, they, they're all very much multi-skilled. Wonderful. By the way, I want to mention the designer of the Speedback, Alan Moberly, right? Who people might know as the designer of the Land Rover Discovery. Correct. Yes. He's, um, he's my uncle, actually, Uncle Alan. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, yes. and, and one reason I wanted to mention that, Michelle, is that, you know, so we're talking about taking a classic ethos in car design and applying it to the modern day. And that's not easy because whether you like it or not, there are compromises along the way that are they're, they're, they're necessary, but you want to stay true to that vision. And, you know, Land Rover had that challenge. Land Rover was an iconic brand and people have a certain expectation. And I thought that your uncle Alan did a fine job with the Land Rover Discovery. It's a great vehicle. And so it was neat to find out that he was actually behind the speedback as well. Oh, thank you. Yes. So uh, he uh, sort of almost came out of retirement to work on Speedback GT projects. Um, he was doing some lecturing at uh, Coventry University Automotive Design course, but um, yeah, got got the opportunity to work with David Brown. And, and uh, I, I think David always jokes about um, meeting him. He was expecting some kind of young hipster to walk through the door and then and walks my uncle in his 60s. But actually, that's exactly what you needed, someone that was alive during those sort of swinging 60s that knew that feeling that you were trying to create through the automotive design. Yeah, for sure. And um, that whole era was such a great design inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. So in the design studio, we had uh, 60s music playing, a lot of pictures up on the wall that just encapsulated that era. So they weren't of cars, they were of everything else, you know, the models, the fashion, Reva Speedboat, everything that, that created that feeling from that era. That's terrific. Ryan, I promise you're not in the penalty box, my friend. <laughs> We're going to get to you in a second here. Um, where are your customers coming from for this feedback? So we get a huge amount of inquiries from North America, but so far we have delivered cars to customers in the UK, Germany, Switzerland, France, Spain, Hong Kong, New Zealand, all over the world, really. I think it's um, you can look at countries that have a, a big classic car following. So they're appealing to customers that love classic cars, but don't want the headaches that go with them. You know, they want the reliability, they want usability, they want to be able to get in and know that it's going to start. And if they don't know where they're going, they can use a sat nav or they can use 
hands-free because they need to make a call while they're driving. It's a really usable car, and those customers that do have them, um, some of them have the, have have a speedback GT as their only car, which is amazing. Um, others have them in a, as part of a large collection, but actually say that the speedback GT is what they use really frequently because it is just so usable. It was designed to be so. Yeah, and have have your speedback customers visited the factory and sat down and collaborated with the team there on the individual design of their car? I mean, that's after all, that's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, that's right. So not not all of them. Um, some of them I've, I've flown out to with samples and we've configured them locally to them. Um, others, especially over the, the past couple of years, we've we've done it remotely. We've got an, an amazing in-house design team that can do amazing renders to show them different options and different finishes, etc. Um, and then just a combination of phone calls, video calls and, and emails and we'll expect them like that. So yeah, a whole combination really. That is a long process, but as you say, it's 8,000 man hours, right? So you want to get it right. Exactly. You want to get it right and uh, and enjoy the process. You know, you're making a completely bespoke car. A lot of uh, companies advertise or use, use this word bespoke, but actually they have a, a bespoke range. If you're choosing from a range, it's not bespoke, whereas we truly are bespoke. You know, we will create whole new colors for, for customers. And in fact, nearly every speedboat that goes out is a completely unique color that we've made, especially for that customer. Um, so there's a lot of decisions to be made, but it's, it shouldn't be a stressful process. It should be massively enjoyable and uh, really exciting. And, and they, they get super excited and obviously see the results. Um, and we have a, an amazing sort of customer portal, uh, feature. So every David Brown automotive customer upon placing their order gets access to an online portal where weekly photos and updates are uploaded and they can follow the build of their car. So even if they, can't visit the factory and uh, track its progress in person they can do that from afar which is really nice and they really enjoy i'll be right back with more horsepower heritage don't go away hi everyone i want to take a minute to tell you about drive toward a cure which is bringing cars and camaraderie together to benefit parkinson's disease research and patient care And here's how it works. They've got local events from coast to coast, like track days, road rallies, and even premium multi-day touring adventures. And there's even a car club challenge. It's a way for members of the car community to leverage their mutual passion to help a great cause. So if you want to get involved in an event near you or even help organize an event, you can find everything you need at drivetowardacure.org or on Instagram at drivetowardacure. And April is Parkinson's Awareness Month, so it's a perfect opportunity for you to become part of Drive Toward a Cure. You can be one in a million with your tax-deductible donation and help them cross the $1 million mark. Use and follow the hashtag BeOneInAMillion. And on behalf of Drive Toward a Cure, thanks for your support. Well, Ryan, let's bring you in on this, my friend, because... You know, the Speedback is, it's a flagship purchase, let's be honest, right? But there is a more approachable option from David Brown, and that is the remastered Mini. And I really am interested to hear from you about that car. So with my interest in the traditional Mini coming from my family, basically, my mom and dad had driven Minis in the 60s and 70s, um, and it kind of been fed down to me, the interest in the, in the car from there. As soon as I saw what David Brown were doing, probably around 2016, I think, was my first sort of interaction. And it, it kind of 
it was, a, it was a bright light going off in my head, you know, to see what was actually possible with such an iconic classic because every single designer in the world, regardless whether it's cars, whether it's clothes, whether it's kitchen utensils or something, somebody's always looking to get one of these timeless classic designs into the market. And the, the original Mini was obviously probably one of the original classic designs and it lended lends itself to all different kinds of classes as well it's not just for the working man it's for the upper classes for the landowners for the you know the the kids going off to college and, and throwing the mattress in the back of the car kind of thing you know and it was it was such a timeless classic and it, it's kind of lasted right the way through all of those years and it's still recognized today as a, as a timeless classic now you take the level of craftsmanship that david brown put together first of all, on the Speedback GT and then encompass that into this true meaning of bespoke and, and making one-off vehicles and apply that to the beautiful classic design of Mini. All of a sudden, that's where the light bulb moment comes up and it, it's it's really seeing the value in that level of craftsmanship and workmanship that goes into every single one of these individual commissions that kind of grasped my attention. And when I had the opportunity to do something, when we set up bespoke kind of 12 months ago, the first people I reached out to was was Michelle and the team at David Brown to say, we, we've called our company Bespoke. You guys are Bespoke. I think we need to do something. Um, we need to give the American car buying public and lifestyle buying public the opportunity to see what is possible from yourselves. And let's not hide it from them. Let's get the cars in. Let's put them in front of people and, and we'll make a go of this. And, you know, the, the appetite was there from, from the guys at David Brown, which was great. And we are anxiously waiting for the first vehicles to go out to their customers and, and be in a position to start specifying more individual commissions for our customers, this side of the water, if you like. Yeah. And, you know, as an aside, the American market has seen a big influx of the importation of classic minis from all over the world, but the quality is so varied. You can get literally a rust bucket if you're not careful. And so there, there is that demand for the car, but there's so much uncertainty in buying on that secondary market. But there's no doubt that the car is, you know, it's beloved. It's such a cheeky little thing, as you say. And I want to talk about how this is the mini remastered. So one thing that I know that, that David Brown has commented on is that Alex Isaganis's initial design was genius. It was a brilliant design, but the production was not the highest of quality. And and you guys have ironed out all the kinks. And I, I'm interested to hear the details on that. <laughs> I, I think that's quite an interesting point, isn't it? I think any car from that era, and I, I'm I'm equally to blame. I've got a classic in my garage, and I know very well about it. So you know, they probably weren't the best in terms of keeping rust out of the uh, the, the metalwork or putting the right electrics in there. If, if we have a long conversation about Lucas, we could probably be here all night. Um, but yes, yeah, so they had a certain let's say stigma attached to it. And one of the problems is, and and you, you've hit the nail on the head, is if you go into the used car market or the secondhand car market, you're you're kind of trusting the fact that somebody has made sure this car is correct or it's it's done right where i think as we know many freds in the sheds buy a classic mini or a classic whatever it is and, and do the work themselves and they're not always skilled artisans of their craft um and sometimes you you get some questionable repairs albeit the surface looks great under the surface is probably not great so i think what's fantastic about 
what David Brown do as a process is the vehicle is completely reshelled with a, a new shell that's had all of the rain gutters taken away. It's been de-seamed, it's been strengthened and, and re-spot welded, re-seam welded all the way through to kind of take away, um, let's say, some of the original manufacturing imperfections and bring it up to today's standards and probably beyond it's over-engineered for today's standards, if you like, to make sure that this is now going to be a lasting classic. You know, the, the, the design was already there, but as David Brown himself has said, it's probably the engineering and the manufacturing process was probably lacking a little bit. So when you start to invest the, the thousands of man-hours into the production of one of these vehicles, you can honestly see where it goes into because every single nut, bolt, seam, weld, touch is is refreshed renewed replaced and basically gone through a whole brand new engineering process to make sure that this is going to stand the test of time today and the classic mini powertrain is still there but uprated right so about a hundred horsepower now and also everything is refined so that the driving experience is is more seamless right that's right. And it's the original heart, let's say. It's basically taking what already existed and making it better. Um, making sure that the improvements are in keeping with the vehicle. We, there's no Mazda Miata engine dropped in there or a V8 from wherever it is. You know, it, it, this is staying true to the classic ethos of what is a Gurness wanted, if you like, but we're just bringing it up to the modern times and you've got improved performance. You've got improved handling, driving ability. You know, the, it touches the essence of what I think David wanted to achieve originally with the speedback was, You've got a classic vehicle, but for the modern age, you know, you can jump in there and go and get your groceries without thinking, oh, no, what if the distributor pops off or what if I need to balance a new carb or something like that, you know, and none of those issues are going to arise because obviously it's been reimagined for today rather than for 1959 kind of thing. Is the Mini carbureted? Does it have twin SUs? Does it have a fuel injection system? Well, if you'd have been looking at our social media, Morris, you'd have seen that there are some twin carburetors on there. It's a beautiful piece of artwork. It really is. It's it's one of those things, it's a piece of jewellery under, under the, the hood or under the bonnet. Uh, you pop the bonnet up and it sits right proudly in front of you and a nice pair of polished, I believe they're SUs. If I'm, I might be wrong, but I think they are SUs. Yeah, I, I was kind of pulling your leg I know. on that one because... <laughs> No, no, because the those twin SUs are like that screams, you know, British performance, right? There's there's a very unique sound to them, certainly, and I think you know if anybody who's witnessed them in the past, and and it's essentially a very British sound that is caused by the the air washing through the uh, the pistons inside of there and, and being dragged into your, albeit small, but now ultimately as powerful as it possibly can be. Uh, four-cylinder engine and it's great it's it's a very british sound it's a very sort of um british motor racing and rally cross of its of its time if you like no i love it and in my opinion induction sound is as important as exhaust it's a signature sound it is it, it, it's it's probably the more visceral of the two i would have thought personally because you, you know it's a, <laughs> you pop your foot onto the gas and you get that induction sound immediately maybe it Half second later, you've got it coming out at the other end. But, you know, it's that initial sound of it being sucked through those SU cars is great. That's where the emotional connection comes into these classics. And the sort of mini reimagined kind of ticks all of those boxes as you as you go down the list. It's the, the touch, the feel, the sound, the smell all of the time. And 
the mini touches every single aspect of that and that's why we're very keen to get people to to touch to feel to smell to drive the vehicles because until you do i i could tell you all about the vehicle all day long but ultimately you won't get that true level of understanding and the value of understanding until you've you've sat in it until you've pressed the gas pedal on it until you've taken it up and down the road a few times and had 15 20 30 minutes in the car um to actually understand it because everybody has an idea of or everybody's got their first story of a mini and where they first witnessed it whether their mum the dad the gran whoever had one um but today with what david brown have done with it it's a different feel but still the elements of the 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 base is still there. You've still got a very British feel to it, but they've elevated it to a new level now where, as I say previously, it's brought it into the modern age, but brought it into the modern age of luxury, which is a story that Mini never really touched on previously. Yeah, and so we're talking about details, depending on the model, because there are several iterations of the remastered Mini, but we're talking about things like genuine leather bonnet straps, um, Talbot-style side-view mirrors, hand-stitched leather dashboard. The clutch pedal, brake pedal, and throttle are all unique and bespoke. Uh, I, I think they're, they're cast aluminum or machined aluminum, looks like. They're really beautiful. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of little jewelry elements all the way through the car, if you like. Uh, you could probably highlight one area and, and talk for 15 or 20 minutes about the components and the workmanship that goes into one tiny area, whether it be the... The switches on the dash or the the fan knobs or um like you say the the accelerator brake and, and clutch pedal or even the the automatic shifter if you wanted to in the in the auto models yeah and then of course you know you've got air conditioning you've got a modern navigation unit in the dashboard but but it's unobtrusive it's not this giant screen that like you know dominates your view which i'm they're they're doing that on everything now and it's driving me crazy it's true. Um, it, it could have been quite easily been a, a 19-inch screen if you needed it to be, but you know, it, it's it's not what it's about. Um, yes, you've got all of the let's say mod cons inside of there. You get to your destination in comfort with riding on the pleasure of the the, the finest grades of leather and and suede and other materials that go into the to the build of the car. But you're still driving. Ultimately, you're still driving that that true classic design of of the mini. It, it, it's difficult isn't it i think there's a lot of people putting modern touches or advanced technology for the sake of advanced technology and i don't think it's necessary in in the market today in, in all of the areas it's in let's say without kind of pointing fingers in, in any direction trying to be as uh, conservative as possible with that answer so ryan now that david brown automotive has planted a flag in in the united states the british are coming right when can we expect to see some of these cars here so we, we've um, we've got our initial batch of vehicles incoming now. Um, they're on a boat, um, and I, I'm I'm not going to tell you exactly when they're going to come because no doubt I'm going to fall over because with uh, with the logistics the way they are at the moment, it might be before, it might be after a date when I tell you when it's going to be. Um, but what we do know is they're on a boat and they will be with us soon enough. The initial order that we put through will give a very good cross section of. Um, what's available, whether it be manual or automatic transmission and, and varying um, specification levels with bespoke in mind all the way through. And what we want to be able to do is get as many people into those cars, drive them, experience them, 
make sure the the right people in the media and the press get to see them so we can start talking about them with authority to as many people as possible. Um, and that would just be the start of it. We want to make sure that the cars are seen in the right places with the right people and make sure that the customers can get their hands on them as soon as possible. Uh, but the big thing for us is making sure that we can build, one, a successful support community, so with dealers and with service facilities around the country, but also we want to be able to build a, an inclusive community amongst the owners. So rather than just being purely transactional and, and saying, okay, thank you very much, you bought a car, you can get your car serviced at XYZ location, we want to be in regular communication and contact with the customers and making sure that they enjoy the ownership experience, whether it be through um, fun runs, drives, cars and coffees, exclusive events that we can get them invited to alongside the brand. Um, and making sure that, you know, the big thing with anything that is bespoke, it's about the journey and the experience that you go through. And it shouldn't stop when the car doors closed and the keys are handed over kind of thing. We want to make sure that that experience continues through the life cycle of ownership. So selfishly, you know, you're much more happy to talk to your friends and refer friends to the brand that have enjoyed the, the experience that you've been through. So we want to make sure that every single person feels like they're part of the community of David Brown and the Bespoke Imports Group, um, right from the start all the way through entire range of ownership and making sure that there's nothing kind of stopping that enjoyment along the way. Well, that sounds good. And were I to have one of these cars, I would totally drive the wheels off of it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean they're, they're there to be enjoyed, right? So use them as much as you can, I would say. I, I've had the pleasure of using a Mini Remaster for my commute in London and um, from home to our showroom, which is about five miles. So in London, that equates to about an hour each way. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, you can get absolutely fed up with the traffic, but actually you always end up smiling during that commute because people let you out at junctions. You get constant people putting down their windows at the traffic lights to say, hey, what a beautiful car. Tell me about it. What year is she? And uh, just beautiful, lovely attention. And it just brings a smile to your face. You get thumbs up, smiles. And I don't know how, how well you know London, but um, it's quite unusual to have that kind of reaction in the city. <laughs> Everyone normally keeps to themselves. <laughs> You know, there's there's two ways to look at your daily drive, which is that it it's sort of a necessity and it can be a drudgery and you just need an appliance to get around. And why waste a nice, fun car on that sort of drudgery driving, right? But the other point of view, which I've taken, if I'm going to spend that time on the road, I want a car that I really enjoy. And so that's why I say a mini like this from David Brown, inject some fun into it. And I'm of the same opinion as well. I mean, look, for such a long time now, it's just become such a convenience to be able to jump in your car, start it up and head off and away you go. And it's almost like, and I don't mean to sound disparaging in any way, it's almost like there's a row of zombies driving a row of zombie vehicles down to wherever they're commuting to without any kind of personality or color or flair or enjoyment. You know, how many times does road rage happen? It's because you're sat in a box with the same old thing going on and the same old radio and tunes and everything playing, you know, it's just 
the same. There's too much of the sameness. And when you step back and you start to say, okay, if I'm going to spend X amount of money, what do I want from it? And you start ticking all of these boxes. You, the main thing you want to be able to do from a purchase of, of any value, um, in, in my opinion, is you want to be able to enjoy it. You want to stand back and go, I know why I bought it. I can see why I bought it. And it puts a smile on your face. You know, with, with, any of these kind of econo wagon things that are around at the moment that you lease for three years and then throw in the trash and you pick a new one up, there's no enjoyment with it. It's it's purely sort of, um, it's like wearing cargo pants, isn't it? I've got 14 pockets because I need them all kind of thing. So this is not it. It's This is your tailor-made suit from the finest uh, bespoke tailor on Savile Row because that's what a suit should be kind of thing. Um, and, and it's that kind of approach that you, you, you take six steps back and think, okay, what do I want? What do I want to do at the end of this? And ultimately, you want to smile. And every single car that leaves the David Brown factory will put a smile on your face. And that's the whole thing, I think. Absolutely. If if it were all about just not being nude in public, we'd be wearing burlap, right? But But that's no fun. Michelle, if people want to learn more, where do they find info? Then they need to head to uh, davidbrownautomotive.com <laughs> or they can follow us on Instagram under David Brown Automotive, same for Facebook, same for LinkedIn, and David Brown Autos for Twitter. Excellent. Michelle Gay from David Brown Automotive, Ryan Watson from Bespoke Imports. We've been talking about the Speedback GT and the Mini Remastered. Thank you, guys. It was really fun to have you on. That's all for this episode of Horsepower Heritage. If you like what you've heard, support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash HP Heritage and throw a few bucks in the gas tank. It all goes right back into bringing you more of the people and the stories behind the machines. I'll see you back here on Wednesday, April 20th with the amazing life story of Vashek Polak, a man who was instrumental in the early success of Porsche in America. My guest will be Vashek Polak Jr. And you won't want to miss it. So until then, I'm Maurice Merrick. Thanks for listening.